So today I'll look at, um, I think there's, there's an instruction I received from the Lord. Number one, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be teaching on the relationship that exists, of course, between the member and the church and the man of God and the church. So I think today I'll look at from your perspective. Okay, so effective, effective membership, that's the title of the sermon, or the effective church member. So I'm teaching you how to be an effective church member. All right. It's very important. You have to know what you have to do. You have to know your obligation. There's a time I remember I, I said something and I'll, and I'll say it again today. Where you spend eternity is a decision you make when you accept Jesus or refuse to accept Jesus. Are we together? So where you spend eternity is a decision you make. How you spend eternity is also another decision. You can spend eternity in heaven, but even in heaven itself, not everyone will be the same. Okay? Your ranking in heaven is dependent on what you do on earth. Okay? So, how exactly you spend eternity is very important. It's also as important as where you spend it. Remember, the Bible tells us about the day of judgment, right? We've all heard about it. And... We all have different stories about judgment. When I was young, I thought people told me that there'll be a TV and then God will show us our sins. I was so worried. <laughs> <laughs> I was so worried. And I think others here would more worry more if that was the case. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I thought when I was younger. Now, when I got to study the Bible, I realized something. Do you know? that the judgment of sin is for sinners. The believer will not have to go through judgment with God because Jesus was judged on your behalf. That's what the Bible teaches. What will happen on the day of judgment for the believer is simply rewards for what you did for the Lord. So the Bible shows us that your works are going to go through fire. They're going to be tried. Okay? And if they pass... <laughs> Are we together? So we don't have the same judgment as worldly people or as people of the world. When you're born again, the judgment is different. It's a whole different ballgame for us. That is why when a believer dies, he doesn't have to be concerned, am I going to heaven, am I going to heaven? He knows where he's going already because judgment was already passed on Jesus for his sake. Are we together? Yeah. So... And that's why for the unbeliever, when someone who is not a believer dies, they also know where they're going because they know they didn't accept the judgment that was placed on Jesus. Therefore, they have to take their own judgment. And now they don't have the blood to plead with their case. They're already gone. So uh, the effective church member, maybe, maybe as a way of starting, I want to tell you something. When you think about church, don't limit the definition of church to just a building or a place you go on Sundays and then you fellowship for an hour, two hours, three hours, and then you go after. There has to be more to church than just coming here and listening to me teach the word of God. There has to be more. And until there is that more in your heart, you will not have the right perspective. You have to have the correct perspective of what church is. And you can only get the correct perspective of what church is when you look at the scriptures. You have to know how exactly does God define it and how does God see it. I'll give you an example. When you read about the first church 
in the book of Acts, you will notice that the church began in Acts chapter number 2, right? You notice that, right? They began in Acts chapter number 2. In other words, the church didn't exist before Jesus died or resurrected. It was just the disciples. But they were not referred to as the church. Are we together? So now in Acts chapter number 2, we get to notice something. Acts chapter number 2, verse 1. You can just write that down and then we'll read that at your own time. You get to notice something. The Bible shows us that they were in one accord on the day of Pentecost. And as they were in one accord, the Spirit of God came upon them. And the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues on that day. So they received the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the one that gave birth to the church. The church is the product of the Spirit of God. Are we together? So it means the idea of church is not, it didn't come from society, where no society needs a particular, the clergy and whatnot, no. It came from the Spirit of God. And that's why when you turn down the definition of church to how society has labeled it, you will miss it and you won't get what God wants you to get. And that's why when you go to church, or when you come to church, it's a place of encounter between you and God. These guys, Jesus gave them an instruction to be in one accord, to be in one place, not to move out. And it was in that place that the Spirit of God came and each one of them received the Spirit of God. Each one of them, as long as they were there, they received the Spirit of God. It shows you something. Have you noticed even in the book of Revelation, you will notice something, uh, Revelation uh, 2, 2, 3 and whatnot, you get notice something. Jesus had a message for the churches, you remember that, right? In Revelation. And you will notice that a whole church would be judged because of the behavior of some. And the whole church would be commended because of the behavior of some. You notice that, right? So in other words, there are certain rewards you will get to heaven because of the church you belong to. I'll say that again. Yes. There are certain rewards you have access to in heaven because of the church you belong to, because there are blessings that come upon each particular congregation. For example, if God has given us an assignment to reach a specific number of people, and then we reach that target that God has given us, and he says, oh, because of this, your reward is A, B, C, D. In other words, everyone is going to be benefit, not just the pastor, including the usher. Everyone, the one who sweeps in, everyone is going to have partake of the blessing God has given. And that's why it's important to find your place in the house of God. It's very important because you are playing your role. Are we together? Very, very important. And I like to imagine, think about it, the book of Acts, Acts chapter number two. When you, get, when you notice something, Jesus gave them an instruction to say they should be in one accord. I want you to think about it. Imagine if there was a sister or a brother right there who decided to just go buy a bottle of water <laughs> in that period that the Spirit of God came. In other words, that means that brother could have missed out on the, on, on the invasion of the Spirit of God. So when you come to a place like church, there should be no distractions whatsoever. When God has said you have to be here, meaning you have to be there. There should be no distractions. Church is the place of encounter. When you come to God, you have, when you come to church, you have to be expectant that I'm going to hear a message from God today. You have to be expectant that I can encounter God in this service today. You have to be expectant that my direction is today. You have to be expectant that the Spirit of God is showing me about my future today. You have to be expectant because it's in church that the Spirit of God will do all these things. You, so that means your perspective of what church is is very important. Extremely. And when you understand that you won't, you won't miss church anyhow. Because sometimes I get shocked with the reasons I'm told. No, I, someone missed it because they were washing. So why didn't you wash on Saturday? <laughs> why weren't you washing during the week? <laughs> it shows you that 
their perception of what church is is wrong already. They don't know it. They don't know it. No, they don't. There is something Jesus said, whether the Apostle Paul wrote in, 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 in Ephesians. Let's go there. Ephesians chapter number, uh, chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 22 and 23. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 22 and 23. After this, I'll talk about your role as a member of the church. So I'm talking about the effective member. All right? You have to know your role. You have to know what you have to do. So Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, I keep hearing the Spirit of God emphasize on priorities. I keep hearing, and I know why he's emphasizing. God wants to preserve you. Okay? Yeah. God wants to preserve you. So, please be careful. Maybe we should talk. If you know this message was for you. <laughs> Are we together? Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number... One verse, I said 2021, 20, right? And 22, 20, 22 and 23. Yes. And then it says, and he put all things under his feet. He's talking about Christ. Have you seen that, right? Has he put all things under his feet? And then it says, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. In other words, Christ is the head of the church. He's the leader of the church. And that's why there should be no VIPs in church. I'll say that once again. There should be no VIPs in church. Let me say that again. There should be no VIPs in church. Are we together? Yeah. When we put you as deacon, you're not superior to others. You're just their leader and you have to act like it. And for me, I'm more demanding towards my leaders. I'm nice just like this. <laughs> yeah. So this is the head of, of, of what? over all things to the church, right? And then it says, which is his body? Have you seen that? So Christ is the head, and then it says the body is actually, uh, the, the church is actually the body. And then he goes on to say, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What's the fullness of him? The church. He fills the church with his fullness. I don't know if you understand what that means. What that means is, look, it means if right now, have you ever heard people who say they want to experience the hand of God? If the church is his body, meaning the hand of God can only be experienced when the church stretches out his hand. So it means the hand of God can only be experienced once the church begins to demonstrate God's hand to the world. If God wants to encounter people, it means he will bring them to, to, the, to the church first. And it's in that place that God will ensure they have encounters. The other thing is that the church is a place of discipleship. You are discipled in the church. So you are not just a, a church member. You become a disciple once you come under the church. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you have to be given to, to, to discipleship. You have to be. You have to be. If you are not given to discipleship, it becomes hard for you to benefit the things that God wants you to benefit from in a house. How are we together? Yeah. Having lived with different people, you will notice something, especially if, let's say, you grew up at a, at a place where maybe your parents have, have kept one or two people. If someone comes from their house with, with where they have different rules, it's hard for them to adjust your house. You understand, right? Yeah. You find maybe at your house, you guys are just well behaved. Everyone just arrives home really early. And then this visitor just comes and he's just used coming home at 21, 22. For him, it's a norm at their house. They're used. So if he's being restricted, what does he say? Uh-uh. 
can't live here. There are too many rules. You understand, right? There are different rules. In other words, even the same with the house of God. The house of God has got its own rules and its own regulations. When you come in the house of God, you have to subject yourself to the rules of that house. You can't come with your own rules in the, in the house of God. For example, it's a culture in this, in this place for people to come, to come with notepads and write down notes in church. It's a culture. I don't have to remind you. But if you just sit there, I'll remember all the scriptures pastor said. I'll ask you the next two weeks. You won't forget everything. Let me talk about your roles as, as a church member. The first thing you must do as a church member, number one, don't miss church. It's as simple as that. And I think the Bible is clear in Hebrews 10 verse 25, right? Let's read it together. Hebrews 10 25. Hebrews 10 verse 25. Ah, Lord Jesus. Are you learning something? Yeah. You have a role to play in the house of God. You have it. And you must fulfill your role in the house of God. You must play your part. Hebrews 10 verse 25. Hebrews 10 verse 25. You must play your part in the house of God. Very important. Are we there? Read it. One, two, three, go. So the Bible is telling you, don't, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some. What that means is that there are some who are in the manner of missing church. There are some who have that, that habit. They can't even go to church for a month straight. You can't. You will, find, you will find a reason to miss church. Why did you miss church? No. Church, pastor, church at, at 13. Manu was playing at 13. <laughs> That's how you lose. <laughs> I meant to say Chelsea. Hi, <laughs> <Right>, Daniel. <laughs> He's going through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't you, you, you just can't find every reason to miss church the Bible tells you that not to forsake the assembly of together in other words you're obligated to come to church and I'll say this you can't even give the reins as an excuse you already know it's a rain season why aren't you buying an umbrella you've not even bought already you're waiting for that day when it's raining on Sunday you just send a message to Deaconess which I can't come it's raining heavy no I, I already bathed but it's just been why aren't you buying an umbrella? Why? So don't come up with just any excuse. Like when you understand that God wants to, 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 to make you have an encounter in the house of God, you will not miss it for any reason. So develop a habit of not missing church. Tell your neighbor, don't miss church. Don't miss Look church. at them as you tell them, don't miss church. Don't miss church. Yes. It's your obligation. It's your obligation. Do you know the problem that people have? Most people want to work with consequences. <laughs> That's why even in schools now, they are telling you to say, if you don't attend these many classes, you won't sit for exams. Because they just threaten you with consequences. They know that there are some who have been in the habit of not coming for class and just showing up for exams. <laughs> so most people want to work with consequences. There should be no one here we have to motivate to come to church. We have to encourage you. Like, I have to just go and just encourage her. Like, Anne, you know, you, still, you have to be coming to church. You know, you have to. You have to. 
You have to. Like, it's for your benefit. I even give you scriptures. No, 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 no. No, I understand if maybe someone works on Sunday. Or if someone had a class on Sunday. I understand. But then there are some that just miss us, you know. Mm-hmm. I woke up late. Since at 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I woke up late. <laughs> you woke up late. What time do you sleep? Zero. What are you doing? I was watching a movie. <laughs> Don't be in the habit of missing church. All together. Be consistent with church because it's important for your spiritual growth. You can't grow without the house of God. No, no, you can't. You can't. Look at everyone who tells you church is about the heart. They live in sin. Everyone who makes a statement says that's a justification for why they're missing church. <laughs> that's why they will tell you such things. No, it's not about how long you pray. It's about Sir, just increase your prayer life. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. So don't miss church. Make it a habit not to miss church. I made up my mind in 2015 not to miss church, and I've been in church since 2015. Not a single Sunday has passed. Whether I had classes or not, I'd be in church first and go to class after. That's, that's the kind of student I was. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a story for another day. <laughs> there's, a, there, there, there's been a lot of grace in that area but don't miss church number two the second role you have the church is so winning so winning tell your neighbor so winning so yes so winning is not just reserved for pastors evangelists and deacons and whatnot. no every member of the church must be a so winner let me give you a task all of you in under 30 seconds, explain the gospel to your neighbor. What is the gospel? One, two, three, go. Mm-hmm. Explain it. <laughs> if your neighbor is not talking to someone, you will turn to the other one. <laughs> what is the gospel? <laughs> Let them explain. Let them explain. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all. Mm-hmm. Now, with what your neighbor has told you, would you be born again? If they preach you like that. <laughs> with what your neighbor has told you, if someone came to preach to you like with that message, would you be born again? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, the point, the point here is this. Every Christian must know what the gospel is. You must know and you must communicate it correctly. If you don't communicate the gospel correctly, you will lose their soul. You will lose their soul. You can't communicate the gospel correctly to people. You must preach it correctly. You must know what the gospel is. One time I was listening to someone, they told me, no, the churches of knowledge, they don't even preach the gospel anymore. As back in the day when we preach the gospel, would come, come from church, we would be in tears, we would be crying. You know, I, 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 would ask, I would ask certain questions. It doesn't make any sense. Every week, why are you crying? For, you've been sinning, why aren't you getting born again? Because, listen, there is no way the gospel can, can come in contact with your spirit and you remain the same. It's not possible. The gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation. When you encounter the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you've come in contact with God's grace. You've come in contact with God's power. You've come in contact with God's salvation. And that's why what you are doing when you are preaching the gospel, you are taking the message of God to somebody. 
There is a brother out there who is, who is deep in sin. What's the gospel to them? Jesus has already died for you. The sin has already been paid for. The gospel is not repent or you will die. No, it's not. No, it's not. Is the message correct? Like, so if people don't repent, they'll go to hell. Yes, it's correct. But that's the gospel. It's not. The gospel is not, no, God, God, has, God has blessed you. God, has, God will give you cars. That's not the gospel. Those are misplaced things. That's why a lot of believers now are becoming materialistic. Because you've been, you've been taught, you've been preaching, oh, you'll you receive, you'll receive. And then if you don't receive it now, ah, this doesn't work. Seeds have been sowing. Tithing have been tithing. Offerings have been giving. Because people have not understood the gospel. No, they've, they've not understood it. So where you are, I'm giving you just this week, understand what the gospel is. <laughs> Before you teach a wrong thing to someone, you must know what the gospel is and you must preach it correctly. No, you must preach it correctly. Don't go out there and start winning arguments with people. No, the problem with the Roman Catholic, problem with SDS. Why, why are you arguing about churches? Preach the gospel. Why are you arguing about doctrines and churches? And what, 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 what's the argument about? Oh, you'll be shocked to find the number of SDS who've been heaven. The number of Catholics who've been heaven. No, yes. The fact that someone goes to a traditional church doesn't mean they're not born again. We have a lot of born again believers right there. <laughs> so the gospel is not according to your church. The gospel is the gospel according to Jesus. <laughs> Are you listening? So you must know what the gospel of Jesus is. So if what you told your neighbor, can you win your soul with that message from telling your neighbor? You yourself with that message told your neighbor. If you met someone who is a sinner, can you win and make a soul with that message you told your neighbor? If you can't, uh, polish that, that message. Go back and just, uh, but what I've been telling people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How together? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You must be grounded in the, in the message of Christ. You must be grounded in the word of God and you must preach the gospel correctly. Present the message of Jesus correctly to your, to, to your world. So, so winning. The Apostle Paul mentioned something in the book of Corinthians. He said, uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, rather, chapter number 5, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. The Bible says, Now all things are of God. Hallelujah. It says, All things are of God. All things are of God. All right? And then he says, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, or through Jesus Christ. And then he says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what he's trying to tell you there? Jesus Christ has reconciled you to the Father. Now, what Jesus did, you have that message now. Because now he's given you the message of reconciliation. When you come in contact with someone who's not born again, you have to preach to them the message of reconciliation. We have no other message but Christ to our world. We have no other message but the message of reconciliation to the world. That's the only message we have. We don't have any other message. If you have any other message outside Christ, then just keep quiet. Don't teach it to anyone. He said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. This tells you every believer has been called into ministry. What's that ministry? Ministry of reconciliation. Are you fulfilling your ministry? 
Are you doing your part in the house of God? Are you doing your part in the kingdom? Esa, you, you have a role to play and you have to win souls. You have to. No, me, I don't know how to. You, you know. The, you see, the spirit of God can come on you and they like he's on vacation. He's just come to live with you. He's just chilling. Like, like, you only remember you have him when you're feeling goosebumps in three prayer meeting. And when you leave, yeah, you just go back to doing everything else. No, you have to be conscious of the spirit of God 24-7 in your life. He's there. He's living with you, living in you, talking to you, leading you, guiding you. He will tell you, preach to this one. He will tell you, he will lead you, go to this place and minister to this one. You have the ministry of reconciliation. God has given it to us, each one of us. There's something else Apostle mentioned in um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 16. Are we there? Yes. So are there, say glory. glory. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 16. The Bible says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. And this is just the truth, really. When you preach the gospel, you have nothing to boast of. You have nothing to boast of. You can lay hands on the sick and the sick are, are, are recovering. The boasting is not that, no, for you to walk in this dimension, you have to pray for. It's what Jesus did. We have nothing to boast of. We have nothing to boast of. You understand, right? Yes. Since so if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. And it says, for necessity is laid upon me. Have you seen that? It says, necessity is laid upon me. Necessity has been laid upon you to preach the gospel. And then he goes on to say, <laughs> let's read the last part. One, two, three, go. Read it out loud. He says, what to me if I don't preach the gospel? In other words, if I don't preach the gospel, I am doomed. That's what he's saying. You see, you can't live your life without preaching the gospel to other people. You've, the same way you have an obligation, according to the Bible, to not miss church. It's the same way you have an obligation to preach the gospel to your world. God has brought certain roommates to your boarding house and then you're busy running away from them. These guys are too wild. I can't live with you. I can't preach to them. God has brought them to you. They same ones who don't listen. That's some of you who when God brought you, brought you here, we know how you were. And you've been transformed. And God keeps working on you, right? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. You must preach the gospel. You must preach the gospel. When you read Proverbs chapter number 11 verse 30, Proverbs 11, verse 30. Are we there? Proverbs 11, verse 30. The Bible says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And then it says, And he who wins souls is wise. What's the opposite of that? He who doesn't win souls is what? (laughs) Say the word. He who doesn't win souls is what? (laughs) So it's wisdom to win souls. It's foolishness not to win souls. It says, He who wins souls is wise. So God will look at your wisdom by how he wins souls. Not by how you advise people in relationships. No, he's toxic. Just leave him. That's not the wisdom you can be carrying around every, every time. Thank God for that. <laughs> and trying to save your friends from toxic people, we praise God. But the true wisdom is in winning souls. You understand, right? Yeah, you have to win souls. There are some of you with grace for evangelism, you just, you just sit on it. You have serious grace. God has given it to you. You can minister to anyone and anyone changes. But you're just sitting on it. Me, people just like me. No, 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 no. There's grace, ma. 
<laughs> there is grace on your life. You understand, right? Yes. Me, I'm likable. There is grace. Winsos. <laughs> Winsos. Me, when I just talk to people. Winsos. Are we together? Yes. Yeah. Winsos. You have to be a soul winner. It's your role to play in the house of God. It's your role to play. God is not expecting anyone else to do your, your, your part. And I remember I, I, I said this somewhere. I told people to say, you see, you can't get through prayer what you're supposed to get through giving. You can't get through giving what you're supposed to get through soul winning. You can't get something. My time is almost up. Let me wrap up. Let me rush. <laughs> so necessity is laid on you. How together? Tell your neighbor, necessity is laid on me. So you must preach the gospel. You understand, right? You must preach the gospel. You must win souls. When we tell you go win souls, we've called for evangelism. Don't just sit in your boarding house because you're shy. You can't talk. You will talk to people. The Spirit of God will help you what to say. You see, we all start from somewhere. You understand? Yeah. They throw you out somewhere. Some people refuse. <laughs> Yeah, I once went to evangelism with certain daughter of the house in her house ministry. The guy was just looking at her, not me. <laughs> and it's like he was waiting for me to be done. So he can now start talking. <laughs> not to me. <laughs> but thank God. We have encounters like that. Necessity is laid on you. All right. Um, I'm only making a few, a few minutes. The third uh, role you have to play. So win souls, all right? I expect everyone to be a soul winner. That's your role. That's your obligation as a member of the church. You have to play your part. So the third expectation is giving. It's a topic most people don't like. But it's expected. When the kings in the water Testament wanted to build God's temple, didn't they call for offerings? They did. Right? The same thing happened to the church when they, when, when they were needs in Acts chapter number 5. What happens? They call for, for, for people to give, right? You are expected to give. And let me, let, let me put it this way. Giving is a choice. It's a decision you make. It's not in how much you have, but it's in the choice you make that I'm going to be a giver. For example, you can't come to church and you've not planned your offering. Then there's something wrong. Throughout the week, you're buying a masoche and calling everyone else. But church offering, you don't have then there's a problem. It means you don't plan to do it. It must be on your plan. For me, for me, it's on my plan. Every week, I plan. You must plan. Church partnership, you must plan. So plan your giving. Amen. 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 Yeah. Tell your neighbor, plan your giving. Plan your giving. Yes. Your offerings, your partnership, your tithe, plan it. Plan it. The other, the other point, the fourth uh, the responsibility is praying. You have a responsibility to pray for the church and pray for one another. When you read James chapter number 5, James chapter number 5, verse 16. James chapter number 5, verse 16. Are we there? I can't hear people responding. Are we there? Yes. Okay. James chapter number 5, verse 16. The Bible says, confess your trespasses to one another. Now, when the Bible says confess your trespasses one another, it's talking about your sins. Don't come to your sister and confess that you... 
is simply talking about offenses, for example. Talk to your neighbor, talk to your friends if there are things between you. Right together. Yeah, talk about things. Don't start holding grudges. Don't hold grudges with anyone. Talk about things. So it says, confess your trespasses one another. And then it says, and pray for one another. Have you seen that? And pray for one another. And then it says, that you may, that you, that you may be healed. And then it goes and says, the effective, uh, fervent prayer for a righteous man avails much. So the Bible says, pray for one another. Do you pray for your, for your brothers and sisters in here? Do you take time to intercede for them by name? You pray for them. That's one of the biggest roles you have to play. Praying for one another. You'll be amazed at some of the, some of the, see, there are a lot of things that people are dealing with in here. You just don't know. But when you stand and pray for them during the week, you, you don't know how far your prayers are going for them. You, you don't even have to tell them you're praying for them. It's okay if they don't know. You understand, right? But pray for one another. Take time to pray for one another. Pray for your the person next to you. Pray for them. So your prayers just can't be filled with just your needs. All your prayer requests are just about what you want. No. Take time to pray for one another. Very, very important. You have to pray for your brothers and sisters. You've noticed that a brother or a sister has is backsliding. Or they see, don't, 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 don't start gossiping. No, Peter, have you seen what Emmanuel has been doing? <laughs> See, pray for him. Why aren't you praying for him? Even before you come to report to me about, about someone, why have you prayed for them? So the first question I'll ask you, have you been praying for him? No, pastor, what I've seen, what are you doing there as well first? Where you are seeing strange things. You, what were you doing there? You went for evangelism? <laughs> No, you have to pray for one another. How together? Yeah. The, when you read uh, Galatians chapter number six, I'm almost done. I love to keep time. <laughs> Galatians chapter number six, verse two. Galatians chapter number six, verse two. Galatians six, verse two. The Bible says, bear one another's, uh, one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's telling you to bear one another's burdens. In other words, someone shouldn't carry the, the burdens alone in the house of God. When was the last time you went in prayer with, 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 with another brother's burdens? You've gone in prayer simply because you are burdened that, another, that one sister is not yet in school. You've gone in prayer with burdens, knowing that maybe there's a certain brother or a sister whose business is not going correct rightly, or their job, their job is being fought. You see, it becomes easy, for example, for Agri to open up to Mwicha if he knows that she genuinely prays for him. If he knows that it, if I open up to her, she, she will stand with me in prayer. She will not go to this one and tell her, ah, this one, this, this one is struggling with their business. This one is good things are going. No, as it, you must bear one another's burdens. You must carry people's burdens in prayer. You see, as, as important as it is to pray to God, God set me on fire. Okay, as you pray for that, pray that God sets another person on fire. You've noticed that their fire is going down, pray for them. Carry their burdens in prayer. Make it personal. Pray like it's your own. When was the last time you fasted for a friend? You're on a fast for a friend, not for yourself, or because the data has declared the fast. When was the last time you went on a fast for a friend? But you don't, if you don't talk to each other, how will you know? 
Are you listening? Yeah. Bear one another's burdens. You have to bear your friend's burdens. Very important. You have to carry them with, with them. As they, as they are going through something, be there. Pray together. Pray for them. And if you've noticed something, they may not even tell you, but you pray. If God has revealed something to you about them, don't ask them and, and that's what you look prophetic and seek confirmation. Forget about looking prophetic. Simply go in prayer. You want to look deep. For what? Mm-hmm. You know how many things God reveals to me about almost all of you that I don't even say? I just go to pray. I won't come to you the Lord is saying, you need help. Even the message I'm telling you about priorities, I know who I'm talking to. I would have simply just gone and told you, the problem is this. It becomes selfishness if you want to start looking like you're deep. And that's not the motive. Just go and pray. God has shown you a dream about someone. God has given you a revelation about someone. Just go and pray. Pray for them. And when you come out there, and even if something happens, me, I saw it. Keep quiet what you saw. Mm-hmm. Did you pray? So don't, don't be selfish in your ambitions, in what you do for other people. Even in, in praying for people, don't be selfish in praying, even as you are praying for other people. Someone has experienced a breakthrough, or even posting, and said, we prayed for this. Who wants to know you're also praying? Who wants to know you're also praying with them? Just celebrate with them and forget about it. <laughs> do you know why you should avoid it? Do you know that if you are praised on earth, for what you're doing. That's your reward. You've received your reward. So if you're seeking praise and you're you're communicating for people to praise you and we decide to praise you, how you've gotten your reward? Your ego has been massaged. Final thing. Galatians itself, chapter number 6, verse 10. So just go down. It's the final thing. Galatians. Have you been blessed? Yes, <laughs> and I hope you know now what was some of the, some of your roles in church. Yes. Yeah. So pray for one another. Amen. Amen. Don't miss church. When you call for online meetings, attend. Galatians chapter number six, verse ten. The Bible says, "Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all." I mean, it says especially to those who are of the household of faith. Maybe let me explain what that scripture means. If you are to ask me, I genuinely think in this area, Muslims do better than Christians. If you go for a job interview, there's a Muslim, there's a Christian. I'm the Muslim interviewing. Trust me, she's not getting the job. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. I'm not getting The Christian won't get the, that job. He will give it to a fellow Muslim. You know why? They're trying to keep money to flow in their circle. They know if they're going to call for a mosque to, to be built, he's going to give. But Christians don't do that. I mean, I'm talking about when you know someone is spirit-filled, not just people who, who profess anyhow. I'm talking about you, you know that this is a fellow believer and you have the opportunity to put them in a, at an advantage. Why not do it? Why not do it? Because the Bible says do good to all, right? And it says especially those of the household of faith. In other words, if you have the opportunity, do good to everyone. But to these, especially these, in other words, prioritize them. So if you, have a, if you find or you discover that you have a sister or a brother in the Lord at your workplace and you have the opportunity to, 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 to make life easy for them there, do it. Don't make life even harder. 
There's times and season for everything. They must know this is work, this is church. No, make things lighter for your friend. <laughs> yes. There was a time I remember, there was, there was a time one of my friends was looking for a job and I, I contacted another colleague. Okay, these are born again Christians, both of them. So I contacted another colleague and said, look, look this, this friend is looking for a job and I think you can connect them to this job. And guess what they told me? I know, but I think this is just my uncle's company. Um, I don't think I'll be able to do this because later on, when I also graduate, I'll need this job. So my uncle may not be able to give me. So it's better I don't, I don't help them. I was like, oh my God. They've not understood what the Bible is saying there. You don't put yourself at a disadvantage by helping a brother or sister. If you have the chance, help them. Share job opportunities with people. Yeah. If you have the chance to work in business with a, with a friend, ensure you maximize profits and share. Don't steal from each other. Don't gong at each other. You understand? Yeah. So especially, do good to all, but especially those of the household of faith. So prioritize them. So when you discover someone is born again in a, in a place, please make life easy for them. That's your role as what you play in the house of God. When you discover someone is, is saved, even at your, at your school, treat them as a believer. Be friendly to them. You just can't be hungry at me. I mind my own business. I just come to school, I learn and I go. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> no. There's a family where we come from. We are from the kingdom of God. We have the same father. Treat one another as brother and sister in Christ. Put each other, put each other at a place of advantage. Help, help one another. When believers are helping one another and they're all going forward, do you, do you think there'll be some of, the, some of the prayer requests that they bring, they'll be there? No. There'll be some prayer requests that won't exist. Because there's someone who's simply playing their part. They know, oh, you're yeah, yeah, a believer, come. But of course, you must be a believer with a good attitude. But if you have a bad attitude, they will still they will reject you, and that won't be persecution. Understand, right? Yeah. So develop your character. Say priorities come in. That's <laughs> why so they come in. So you must have the correct attitude as well. You can't be mean to people at work. Like I remember there was, there was a time I, there was, there was someone that I, I was planning to lead to, to Christ. And then I discovered that they were actually a pastor. I wanted to lead them to Christ because of their behavior. <laughs> I was targeting them. This one I will preach Christ to him. This one is a man of God. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Mm -hmm. Discovered he's a pastor. I was like, oh no. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have sending complaints about you. Are we together? Yeah. Rest your feet. Do you remember one thing you've learned? That's one thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your neighbor one thing you've learned. Look at your neighbor. Talk to someone. Mm -hmm.